Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti slut shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> Hey, fuckers, welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the anti slut shaming <laughs> podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. What's up? You know, just chilling. <laughs> How about you? Just chilling. Chilling in Harlem. It's very cryptic. <laughs> I'm doing meth. You're doing meth? No, oh. I would never do that. No, I know. It's It seems fun for like a second on Breaking Bad. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm curious good. as to what I, I would be curious to be a fly on the wall if I tried meth. But then other than that, it's, no interest. Yeah, it seems like and it also is one of those rows where like you can actually see it on your face that you're doing it. Oh, you can? Oh, because well, it eats your, eats your skin. Yeah, just doesn't look anything where oh, yeah, you, you can tell that I'm doing it by looking at my face, even yeah. when I'm not doing it. That's not no for good. me. That's yeah. not for me. Um, all right. Well, it's my mom's birthday in Happy a couple days. Happy birthday, Die Five. Happy birthday to no, uh, number one, tied with Steven. Guys, we fuck listener, Die Five. <laughs> I'm not going to say how old you are because that's... You don't look a year past that's, 35. That's rude. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's like the birthday chain. It was fun. Had a very long weekend of yeah partying as you do mm-hmm. yeah you were fun. you were you were you were done by the end of, by the time you left yeah no i was good when did you stop remembering checked out <laughs> uh i mean well everyone's just like well i mean like people act surprised i'm like no it's like i'm going to black out on my birthday i literally named the the facebook invite corinne fisher's birthday blackout express oh like, hell yeah it wasn't like i do i do this once a year give me on that train and also, stop giving me whiskey shots. Toot toot, Blackout <laughs> Express. It was like 12. Well, I think after like midnight, I was gone. But then I like left at like 1230. No, I thought it was a little later than that. Mm, I don't know. I forget. said 1230. Um, uh, I did get into a cat fight. Oh, yeah, you did. That's true. I did. But it wasn't. It didn't get physical, right? Well, this girl. It was nudging. We were. We were. At, uh, so. So you guys, we were eyeing this section of the bar we were at because I was like, as soon as those motherfuckers leave. Yeah, we're gonna take over the section. Well, the staff actually told us to sit there because I had called in. Yeah, that's true. And then, and then this couple was there. They're making out, making out, making out. I'm like, all right, fine, do you? I guess just show your straight affection to the world. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah. So I was waiting for them to leave, and then we kind of took over half the spot because half of the people left. And then this girl was like, um, I have more people coming. And mm-hmm. I was like, mm, so do I. It's my friend's birthday. So like, fuck yeah. But I didn't say it like that. But that's what I thought, you know. And then I was really nice. And then her friends came. And then they were like nudging me off of the bench. Yeah. They kept sitting next to each other. And this chick hip checks me. Mm-hmm. We're sitting on the bench. And she swings her fucking hips. This little blonde ass motherfucker. It doesn't matter what hair color. She had, because whatever it was, I would say red hair ass motherfucker. But uh, she fucking hip checks me. And I was like, wait, what? And she goes, I'm sorry. I'm just sitting on my part of the table where my guests are. And I was like, oh, homie, don't play that. Homie, don't play that, ma'am. And I said, are you fucking serious right now? And I was like, you're ridiculous. You're a ridiculous person. And uh, and then she kept, I went up, Jeffrey Gurian came to the birthday party. Yay. And I asked, I was like, get him to come to me. I'm going to get up to hug him. And right. if I get up to hug I him. I remember that. And this bitch scoots over, then I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah. And then I got to hug him. 
bitch scoots over. I sat down half on top of her and I was like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? We're all trying to have a good time. Be nice. And she, she looked at me. She said some dumb shit. She was wasted. She was like, um, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, you know what the fuck I'm talking about? No fucking be nice. <laughs> Which, you know, if you want someone to be nice, you should probably be nice to them. But my tone was not exactly nice. No. Anyway, um, and then my one of my best friends, Jeff, who was there, he saw us talking. He was like, what? He goes, did you just call her a whore? And I was like, no, 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 no. I would never do that. And I really wouldn't. Um, but I thought that was fun. It was it was a fun little fight. I never really fight with people ever. So it was like a little exhilarating. Oh, yeah. I was like, where's this going to go? Bars are a great place to fight with people. But then I didn't get up the whole fucking time because I didn't want her to win. Mm-hmm. And then her and a group left and we were like, yay. And she and she goes, you're awful. You should die. I'm like, <laughs> what? That don't make sense. And you're like, well, I will eventually. Yeah. I mean, we're all going to die. Yeah, lady. I after, to, you will break too. It to you. You're going to die. <laughs> and I hope you're loved. I hope you're loved. Oh, God. Yeah, she was. Ter- I was just like, get up. No one wants you to be here. <laughs> <sighs> Eliminate girl hate everybody. Yeah, don't hate on girl. Yeah, that's what the whole back of my mind the whole time. I'm like, I gotta be nice. I gotta be nice. You can't. Don't be. Don't call her names, which I didn't. I yeah. Said, well, I mean, be nice in bars in New York, especially downtown. Like guys will be equally as rude. Like there's certainly no like oh hell special yeah. treatment for being a woman, no matter which uh, sex you're dealing oh, with. Yeah, you everywhere gets shit. Yeah, everyone's here. rude. Everyone's pushing. It builds character, though. That's just the way it is. New York, best New York, city in the world. New York. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about though is uh, only two people pointed it out, but they, I, but they in in an email last week we mm-hmm. talked about. Rape, Audrey and Daisy doc- documentary on Netflix that you should absolutely watch. And then yeah. we talked about the presidency and how fucking ridiculous it is. Mm-hmm. And two, they were both men, which I was kind of like, all right, go ahead. Um, brought up the fact that it was very jarring for us to talk about rape and then talk about going to our support for Hillary Clinton, which I still support her 100%. I will be voting for her uh, in November um, about the rape allegations against Bill Clinton and how right. Hillary Clinton back then was trying to silence them. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that and I was like, oh yeah. Cause just sexual scandals that, uh, that Donald Trump's been involved in. Like I, I know there's too much shit to be right. honest. But, um, but I remember reading that a long time ago. And mm-hmm. then one of the guys sent me an article and I was researching it and I was like, yeah, that's right. I totally remember hearing about that. And I think it's really important to not pretend that you're can't the candidate that you support is the most perfect person in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And that's really shitty of her to do. That was aw- that's awful. And I, and I hope she gets questioned by about it, um, about silencing a rape victim. And then, and then going ahead and saying people who are sexually assaulted need to be advocated for. That was really hypocritical. Right. I mean, I read up on that too. It was, it was like unclear, but also it's like kind of it irritates me because she, I feel like she's being uh, held accountable for a lot of shit that Bill oh, Clinton did. Absolutely. And oh, she, the she, affairs have nothing to do with anything. She treated as an individual person. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, because it's like, if we're treating them as a couple, like her own husband wasn't treating her, even treating her as part of the couple because he was cheating on her. So right. like, she's not really. <laughs> he was like, oh yeah. you. Well, that, that's what's interesting after I watched the Anthony Weiner documentary Mm. and I saw how much of a dedicated politician he is and how much he just fucking gets up and fights in the midst of that that affair or not affair him sending pictures of his penis as something danger Andrew danger Oscar danger whatever the fuck (laughs) Carlos danger what a dumb fucking name that's the part that offended me the most and then he would cheat on such a lovely but anyway um and then I realized like you know your sexual affairs and shit is very separate from your political life yeah like when I masturbate, I'm not thinking of getting on stage in a couple hours. Yeah. I'm thinking of horny thoughts. 
Mm-hmm. Two separate parts of the brain. No, well, anytime anyone brings it up, I'm like, hi, Martin Luther King Jr. cheating on his wife the whole time he's fighting for civil rights. Like, still makes him a great. So we still have a day dedicated to him, and like, doesn't mean that he's like didn't do great work. It means that he's a human being who yeah. did shitty things, just like everybody else. Exactly, we're all pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. Even- Martin Luther King's a little bit better than definitely right, me. but even Dr. Martin Luther King made some, you know, some mistakes. Errors. Yeah, but I just wanted to recognize it because I think that uh, what I see a lot of people doing is like uh, Trump supporters. My dad is a Trump supporter. Mm -hmm. Little, uh, he's reluctant about it. He's just a Republican, right? So he's like, "Well, I'm not going to vote for Hillary," and um, you know, he does this thing that I see a lot of people do. Well, what about Trump said this, this, and this? Ah, yeah. No, but he did. And you should acknowledge that. Like, you shouldn't right. pretend that you're the candidate you support is this perfect human being, because then you're holding somebody up to a ridiculous standard. And these candidates should be questioned about the shit that they've done in the past. Well, and also, but a lot of it is like just like what news source you're reading, because. Oh, e- yeah. Like even like they're they're editing like there's always a full like they always make Trump look worse than he is. Because, like, yeah. I mean, he seems like a caricature of a villain. And that's because like if any time like they just isolate sound clips and video clips a lot like I'm not by no means defending him and I don't think he's in any way uh or like has any skills to be president but he um yeah I mean they definitely like love playing the villain card with him and we'll just isolate him saying one thing and then you can you can go to google.com and find the whole speech within like 15 seconds yeah and I was like and you can do it within 15 seconds and then you can be like okay well this isn't as bad as I thought it was yeah and the same thing like I'm sure we people are Hillary, uh, framing Hillary to look better than she is even though that doesn't really seem to be happening <laughs> yeah I don't think they do that with her at all they're just doing a like villain bit. against villain basically right and I'm right. just like well if you've been in the spot like because Trump has been in the spotlight for a long time so he has that same thing that Hillary has like two people who we've known a long time like it was easy for Barack Obama to look great we knew him for like 10 seconds mm, yeah no one knew who that was before like <laughs> one day he just decided to run for but then he came same in the room Bernie Sanders. So it's like, like, who are you? Very easy to seem fresh and new when just like, and you know what? People are like, oh, well, they've been working in politics for years. Yeah, but you have to be some kind of like politics aficionado to know that. The average everyday person did not know a year and a half ago who Bernie Sanders was and didn't know nine years ago who Barack Obama was. And they just didn't. Yeah. Period. End of story. Well, one of the reasons why I was I was talking to James about this in New York Comedy Club outside of Nacho Bitches, because we were talking about things that are he was talking about things that because he's a Trump supporter, but things that Trump did. And because I asked I wanted to ask what he thought about the debates Mm -hmm. and um, and he referenced something that Trump did or I I asked him about it and he was like, yeah, that's fucked up. And I said, right. But that's something that you're willing to either forgive or look past or or take take with a grain of salt. Right. And he goes, yeah. I'm like, that's how I feel about this Hillary shit. Mm -hmm. Like most of the things that people are citing her for. The the making a rape victim uh, scared or or try to convince her to not talk about her story that's fucking horrible. But I look back and I go, yeah, her husband was the president. She probably wanted to run for office in the future. Yeah, that's what she did. It's shitty politics. Yeah, but the, every fucking person in politics, most people anyway that I've heard of, have some realm of that in their repertoire. Right. And so, as much as a feminist as anyone is, if I sat everyone listening down to this podcast down and said, hey someone is saying that they were raped, but in order for them to find justice, you have to give up your entire career that you've worked for all your life. Do you do it? I think an awful lot of people would say no. Yeah. And that's, yeah. So that's, and that's that's an uncomfortable question, but Mm -hmm. it's like, hopefully 
We I all. Would, I, I would hope everyone would be like the justice fighter, but most people aren't the justice fighter because it's not fun. It's not good. You don't reap the benefits of, of it. taking a stand. Yeah. yeah, like society reaps the benefits of it. But at the end of the day, like the people who are doing like the most pure good are not the people at the top because to get to get to the top, you got to do dirty shit. And that's more of a that's more of a reflection of our entire uh, system yeah. than just like a person. Yeah. Yeah, like also, I mean, a lot of the top comedians that you probably like are assholes too. Dude, I know things about (laughs) famous people that not everybody knows. Like, you know, we've heard things about comics and it's like, ah, God damn it. Yeah, the deeper you get in, the worse this business gets and the more uh, questionable things you do. And then you hear yourself sitting and saying stuff's coming out of your mouth and you're like, well, you know what? This was better before. (laughs) Such is life. (laughs) You know, it's always it's all fun and games when you're just open mic in it and no one's giving you feedback. Okay. It's all so... fun and games when you're a temp or you work at Dwayne Reed. Yeah. It's all fine. It's all fine at the bottom when you're answering to no one. Guys, if you want more guys we fucked in your life, we have recorded several bonus episodes and we'll be continuing to record two bonus episodes of guys we fucked per month. And if you want in on this goodness, which you do, this is what you do. You go to your internets. And you go to howl.fm slash GWF. You sign up for a Howl subscription. It's kind of like Netflix for podcasts. You get access to a lot more other bonus content to other really great podcasts. Um, go to howl.com, howl.fm slash GWF. Get more guys we fucked in your life. If you want to sign up, you get a free month trial. And then it's only $4.99 a month. Yeah, it's really awesome. We've already posted two bonus episodes, one where we're just doing so much intense uh, listener mail. The second one, we have a therapy session with one of my best friends, Tommy. Really fun. He is getting a PhD. It wasn't just like a weird thing that we did. Um, (laughs) I feel like you could give good therapy. (laughs) And secondly, a lot of people ask, what's another way I can support the podcast? Well, Howl is definitely a way that you can support Guys We Fucked. Secondly, you can buy merchandise. We finally have wonderful merchandise t-shirts sweatshirts tote bags tank tops uh, all available they are unisex they support the show at sorry about last night comedy.com with fantastic designs by elise perry a listener come see us live come see us live there's so many options uh this coming saturday which is tomorrow october 8th i will be in newport rhode island for my favorite comedy festival the rogue island comedy festival run by my friend doug key i'm so fucking excited to eat lobster and just do comedy i'm doing three shows if you're in that town again don't drunk drive um and then on sunday october 16th me and katie hannigan's show the comedian project is moving to the stand uh that's 239th Third Avenue. Tickets are $15 and the showtime is 9.30 p.m. And if you don't want to hear any jokes about sex, dating, or relationships, that is the show for you. Mm. And then on Friday, October 28th at 11.15 p.m., it's the Halloween edition of Nacho Bitches. Blair Saki and I co-host this at New York Comedy Club. It's $10 with the code Nacho. And the Halloween show is always so fun. And then the next day, Saturday, October 29th at 7.30 p.m., Wendy Starling and I doing our Halloween version of Glamapus. And it's going to be insane. We have variety acts. We have stand-up comedians. We have celebrity guests. Tickets are 15 bucks. Link is in the description of this podcast. Don't be a fool. It sells out every month. 
tour dates. Um, so in November, we will be on tour basically all month. Tickets to all these shows are between $20 and $25. A couple of the venues are 16 and up, but just check the individual venue for details such as that. Uh, November 2nd, Syracuse, New York. We will be at the Funny Bone. November 3rd, Albany, New York, the funny bone. New York City will be back on November 5th for a live recording of the Guys We Fucked podcast at Caroline's on Broadway. The next day, November 6th, we're going to Hartford, Connecticut to perform the Guys We Fucked live experience show at the funny bone. November 9th, Irvine, California, we will be at the improv. November 10th, Los Angeles. We sold out the comedy store, so I hope you got tickets. We love you. Uh, November 11th, Phoenix, Arizona. We are at Stand Up Live. November 13th, Ontario, California at the Improv. Uh, November 14th, San Francisco, California. We are also sold out. November 16th, Indianapolis, Indiana. Crackers. Uh, (laughs) November 17th, Columbus, Ohio. We will be at the Funny Bone. The next day, November 18th, Chicago, Illinois. I have never been inside of you. I am so excited. We're going to be doing a live recording of Guys Who's Fucked at the Anathenium Theater. (laughs) It's going to be fun. And then we're wrapping up this leg of the tour. This leg, I repeat, this This leg leg of the tour. We'll come to a here soon. In Cleveland, Ohio on November 20th at Hilarities. Going to be a really fun tour. And unless we noted it verbally, these are all guys we fucked. The experience shows. That means you get to participate. You guys love that. Oh, this shit is real, y'all. You fucking love that. It gets real. Um, and thank you so much to today's sponsor of the Guys We Fuck podcast. It's Lyft. Lyft. You know what the fuck Lyft is. It's L-Y-F-T. It's a car service, but it's like a taxi service, but it's like a car service. You know, put an app on your phone, fucking download it. It's going to be great. The driver's going to show up in three and a half minutes on average oh, or shit. less. It's super fast. It's really fast. Um, and the important thing to know about Lyft in comparison to some other apps you might have. I don't even phone, know there are other ones. Is uh, that every Lyft driver is fully vetted through their 10 point safety standard, including a criminal and DMV background <laughs> checks. So like, you know who you're getting into. We're not going to see you on the cover of the news the next day because your body was found somewhere, you know? Lift. Lift. Don't die. We didn't find your body. <laughs> but it's but it's not meant because it's, it's not your missing because you're in your bed. But you made it home. And you're in your chair. <laughs> That's where you found your body. Yeah. And in its normal <laughs> position. <laughs> it's not the biggest ride sharing app. We know it, but it's the fastest growing one and the highest rated one. Uh, so thanks to Lyft, you got an easy way to avoid drunk driving and you never have to bum a ride from like someone you don't know. I love Lyft. When they wanted to do this sponsorship with us, I was like, you know what? This is so convenient. I already have this app on my phone. I took a Lyft here. Yeah. You did. Lyft got me here onto your bed. Yeah. And I use it regularly. I also like that the app is hot pink. It really sticks out. <laughs> just that's just it speaks that's to me. more of an aesthetic thing. Um, there's tons of cars available. And they also do this great service called Lift Line, where if you still want to get someplace like in a car, but you want to save a little extra money, uh, you can do that. I was like, where are you going with that? Yeah, Lyft Line. It's great. So guys, right now, Lyft is offering our listeners a very special deal. You get three free rides. Damn. Up to $10 each. That's almost a $30 value when you enter promo code GWFD. So just think of it like guys we fucked drive. GWFD. 
You just download the free lift app today, enter that promo code in the payment section, and then you'll have your three uh, free rides stored and you can just uh, hail your car from there. Uh. Lift, no bodies, no problem. Your body <laughs> in its normal body place and body position. Lift, your body alive and in your home. Lift, no one's going to make a lifetime movie about your drivers. <laughs> And our our last sponsor of the Guys We Fucked podcast, Distilled Premium Denim. I have, my ass has been in distilled denim. They sent us each pairs Mm -hmm. and then I accidentally took Corinne's pair, but I didn't know it yet. But I got to say, this is, uh, these fucking jeans look amazing Mm -hmm. and they're fucking comfortable and they have a good price. So Distilled has revolutionized the fashion industry by creating timeless Luxury grade denim. So you get the jeans that would cost hundreds of dollars for starting at $65. How do they do it? By refusing to work with department stores and retail middlemen. There's no markup, no bullshit, just great jeans at an unbelievable price. Uh, I've got a pair. They're amazing. They got little rips in the knees because I've always wanted a pair of jeans with rips in the knees. And I always thought that the rips will rip more when I wear it, but they don't. Mm-mm. Anyway, it's my fucking legs feel soft and cuddly in these in these jeans and my ass. It looks pretty good. Um uh, distilled is the only place in the U.S. you can get this weight of denim for this price point. And with the natural indigo look, they are going to fade beautifully and last for years. So you go to distilled.com, but this is how you spell it. D-S-T-L-D dot com slash G-W-F right now. And you get 10 bucks off your first pair. That is D-S-T-L-D dot com slash G-W-F. Get $10 off. Distilled. We hate, we hate vowels but we love good jeans mm. right mm, and we'll yeah. make christina's butt look real good at glamour puss mm. they were good mm-hmm. uh all right so now we're gonna read some listener emails uh this one is from someone who i don't know if we can say her name hey ladies first off i just love how you said in the intro episode blah 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 this is about the toronto episode um anyway Uh, I can say I've had a mild, is that a thing, form of rape by my boyfriend of two years and the father of my child. We are definitely no longer together. But other than that, I was also raised to do what people want, not just sexually, but in all forms of doing what my parents say, doing what coaches say, doing what boyfriends say, et cetera. And consent has really stuck with me. That's interesting. We've had a lot of episodes about things like that. Uh, Now that I'm raising a child, especially a female child, I have been trying really hard to teach her consent consent and that it's okay to feel uncomfortable. You made the comment that they needed to teach consent sooner, like in high school, but I feel consent should be taught from the beginning. My daughter is just under two and I make sure she knows she doesn't have to kiss me goodbye. I think she meant to say you don't have to feel uncomfortable. Like it's never okay. (laughs) Because I'm reading that and I'm like, okay, well, we'll see where this is going. (laughs) Um, She doesn't have to hug that random great aunt who smells weird. She doesn't have to be around people who say uncomfortable things around her and that basically if she doesn't want to do something she doesn't have to I also make sure that I and everyone else who interacts with her asks her if she's okay with something and offer an alternative if it's not okay for example 
can grandma give you a hug? And if she says no, I'll say something like, how about you show her uh, how good you can high five? I also make sure she asks other people for permission in the same manner. Uh, but then she apologizes for making the email long. Number, never stop apologizing. Stop apologizing for making the email long. The Jeez. email wasn't long. You know, the people who don't apologize about their emails have the longest fucking emails. Yeah. And also, if you think, who if cares? you truly are upset that the email is too long, go back and edit it. <laughs> you have control over this situation, <laughs> my friend. But anyway, I love this. I love this email. It's more, you know, less asking for advice, more just like a comment on the, what we talked about in the intro for our live in Toronto episode. But I think it's so important because uh, I remember many instances in my childhood where a family friend would come over or something and like they would be like oh give so-and-so a kiss and like I didn't want to give them a kiss my dad had this friend uncle wild bill super nice uncle guy wild bill super nice guy a wasn't my uncle number two had the name wild in his nickname no I'm like five <laughs> See, smelled of booze, which I didn't know what booze were when I was five, but I knew it wasn't something I smelled like. No. You know, real, real None nice of my guy. baby friends smell like this. What the fuck, Wild Bill? Yeah, real nice guy. Maybe he listens to the podcast. Not sure if he's still alive. Anyway, oh, never did anything okay. bad, but it just like was not someone who at five, like I'm like, it, like I have always been like the way I am, like for my whole life. <laughs> right. I've been like that since I was a little kid. So like at five, if I didn't want to hug someone, I didn't fucking want to hug them. And what would you say? Like, I, no. Like, I was very... <laughs> Did I'm a Wild very Bill... Dry, and like, was he, he like, <gasps> it's okay. And the thing is, like, anyone, any adult who is, is like, of sound mind truly shouldn't care. Oh, yeah. Like, if you don't, if, if you get upset because a five-year-old isn't kissing you, like... Red flag. Yeah, that's a red flag. A red fucking flag. Or also, you are someone who is, like, so desperately in need of love. Like, kids are fucking kids. Yeah. They, sometimes they don't want to do things. And, like, why would you even want a kiss or a hug that is forced? A kiss Ugh. or a hug only is meaningful if it is genuine. Yeah. It doesn't... It's. I don't think it's a lack of respect. It's just a fucking kid being a fucking kid. Yeah. Because we're just we're just like teaching them like hugs and kisses are signs of affection but like also people show affection in different ways i don't really like hugging to this day a lot of people you know yeah. so yeah that's a good <laughs> no well it's, well it's always interesting going back to like certain parts of your childhood like that that was that was a really interesting email and i think back to the part, times when i was a kid and like my parents' friends would come over. Oh my God, you look so pretty in your dress. I remember my mom would be like, turn around, do a twirl. But then thinking back, I'm like, the fuck? I know she didn't mean anything right, by it. Yeah. But those little, little things that this get ingrained it, it, it teach you to, oh, follow somebody's, if someone tells you what to do, you do it. And yeah. then that could, of course, I completely see the pathway to that resulting in a lot of women feeling bad or feeling like they don't want to make the guy feel bad. So they fuck them yeah. or they don't really want to say no, but they say no in other ways that are not direct. And something happens that she didn't want to happen or yeah. he didn't want to happen. And it, and it, it, there are these direct links. And I think that treating your child with respect from day one and letting them make their own decisions on so many things is so important. Yeah. And it's the same, it's the same as like with a pet, like you don't just fucking go and rip someone's dog off the ground. Like you approach them slowly. You'll let them sniff the back of your hand. And like, if the dog doesn't want to kiss you, the dog's going to fucking bark at you or snap at you. And like, that's the same, like humans don't act like that, but it's the same thing. Like, Oh yeah. Some, I always ask if I could pet someone's yeah, dog. Yeah. You just, sometimes you just don't want to be touched like whatever. And then, and then also sometimes like I would just like run nude through the living room. Like that was my prerogative. And that's what you wanted to do. Yeah, that was five-year-old crit. Yeah. I, I won't give you a kiss, but I'll give you a little show. I'll give you a little flash flash. <laughs> a little flash flash. That's what I was comfortable with. 
and look, the, look, but don't touch. Meanwhile, I was hugging every goddamn person on the block. Yeah, with your dress on. With my dress on yeah. and socks on and pants under the dress yeah, sometimes. just different. It was weird. Different strokes for different I wonder why folks. I wanted to do that. Huh. But yeah, that hopefully you don't weird. stroke your kids, you know? Don't stroke kids. It's fine. That's fucking horrible. Yeah. Um, this next email, the subject is just question. I am a 24-year-old African-American female police officer. Fuck yeah, you are. I have always been the stereotypical strong black woman with an attitude to snap anyone into place. However, I'm really into rape fantasy and being dominated, which I guess is surprising to the guys I've disclosed this to in the past. And I love this podcast because I finally feel like there are women out there who understand my sexual fantasies and desires. Uh, my current boyfriend is the love of my life and he is the epitome of a great man who I want to marry someday. However, our sex life, our sex drives are completely different. Although he's great at dominating me better than any other man I've ever been with. We don't have sex as often as I like. We both work 50 to 60 hours a week Mm -hmm. and he rarely has the energy to give me more than missionary or doggy style quickies. He also just doesn't find interest in many other sexual fantasies besides dominating me occasionally. I find myself fantasizing often about other men. I watch a lot of porn and masturbate so often. I think it should, should be illegal. Girl, me too. I love the idea of guy on guy, girl on girl, group sex, gangbangs, force sex, amongst so many other things that aren't my, aren't the norm. My boyfriend and I have had numerous fights about sex and how much more I need. I love him so much, but sometimes I feel so sexually neglected. I wonder if I'll be uh, able to stay faithful to him. I guess my question is, because he and I are so seemingly sexually incompatible, does this mean he's not really the one for me? Could my sexual frustrations ruin my relationship? What should I do? Well, you're 24. (laughs) You're young. Yeah, I forgot that. I think that's, uh, I mean, yeah. I, if you're not sexually compatible and you're already to the point where he's complaining or seems like upset you've had fights over yeah, how also, much why are you so you tired at 24 that's like that, well because he works 50 to 60 hours a week no but, i know although, but that's like scary i know that yeah because i i worked that long when i was uh that age too but like you shouldn't be getting that tired until she later she doesn't seem that tired he's yeah, tired maybe he's maybe older. he needs to drink more water you do have to be <laughs> hydrated often but i think this is something that People feel bad about prioritizing, but you absolutely should. He's the love of, I don't think he's the love of your life. I mean, maybe emotionally compatible. You guys are great. Maybe he's a great man, a great boyfriend. But when it comes to sex, you're either going to nip it in the bud now or down the road when you have five kids and you want a divorce. Yeah, I think sometimes early on, like in like, I'm not sure how many relationships you've been on, but like in the first couple of ones, it's hard to differentiate like a romantic sexual love from just love. And like, they are two different things. And like, I have a very deep love for like a lot of my friends. Mm. And sometimes that's even tricky because you're like, do I like, 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 you know, a male friend that you love very deeply? Like, you're like, do I love this person more than just a friend. Mm. Um, but then you're like, okay, well, then you can backtrack and go like, well, no, I don't. Like, I don't want to like, fuck this person's brains out. But yeah, this woman, though, she she needs to be with somebody who will go on sexual adventures with her. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, like, they're out there. Like my point I'm, being, I think this guy's just like your best friend. Yeah, yeah, I do. And especially if you're having fights over it. And like, you should, you're into so much shit, so much cool shit. You should be with somebody who's also into all this shit so you can explore together. Like one of the things I think that one of the most exciting things about my relationship with Steven is that we'll go on sexual adventures all the time. And that's what 
will spice shit up because right. sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to have, I don't feel like having sex. I just don't feel like having sex. And then we'll travel someplace. I'm like, let's check out a sex club and we'll look online and we'll do it. And it'll fucking put a spark back in us mm-hmm. for the, the next, however many months. It's really exciting. But the fact that we're both down to do that is so key. And you, the woman who wrote us, you want to do so many more things that your your current boyfriend is does not seem into. Yeah, you just have to be on par. Like it doesn't it doesn't mean like everyone has to be like going on sexual adventures. It just like, means you have to be on par with whoever your partner is. Yeah. So like some people are totally fine with like just chilling out, having sex a couple days a week. Like honestly, I would probably be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I'm tired. I'm, I'm fine with that most yeah. of the time. Yeah. But like, and every six months, I feel like, or every six to eight months, we have a three way, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, nice. Like it just puts a spark back into it right and so it's I invigorating mean, and also like if at 24 you feel like you're having to like have like conversations or arguments or really like push someone to have sex with you like it's not gonna get better yeah as definitely you get not. older because you've already tried to worse yeah you've already tried to talk to him i don't think it's go the conversations are going very well and i don't think he's the person for you yeah, I think I mean, mean he's a bad person. before just like dumping him out of the blue. I think you need to ha- sit down and have like probably one at least one more like serious conversation oh, where yeah. you kind of make it very clear that it's come to your attention that this is a make or break for you and that you love him deeply and you're willing to try new things and, you know, open to any suggestions he might have. Yeah, maybe there's something that he wants right. to try and he's not he's not comfortable sharing it yet. And maybe you can coax it out of him. But yeah, but, you know. I think that if you can't nip it in the bud quickly, like soon, you're during your next talk about it, you gotta yeah, cause tell them just, how serious you're thinking of. The, yeah. The, yeah. Sometimes, because sometimes I feel like these emails, like it seems more serious in the email or like you get across that it's more serious in the email than you have the courage to tell your partner. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you kind of just like in passing said something to him and then you wrote us this like urgent email. Just make sure that he has the opportunity to know how important this is to you. Oh, yeah. And if after fully understanding that he's still a no-go for him, then I think you have to be like, I think we need to go our separate ways. Dan Savage has the Savage Love cast, always says, are you willing to pay the price of admission to be with your partner? And one of the prices of admission to be with you is to be to have sex more often than you're having it and to get adventurous. And yeah. if he isn't interested in that, that's completely fine. But you guys should establish that this relationship might not be long lasting because of that. Mm-hmm. And one of mine is to wake up in the morning and not find my cell phone charger and then have to go out and buy a new one because my boyfriend took it. What an asshole. <laughs> what a Everyone has a price. Shit. Everyone has a you price. You know, I do. When I clean the house, I move Steven's mail to where he can't <laughs> find it. And then he doesn't pay bills. And he's like, Christina. And I'm like, yeah, I did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm trying to get better at it. Speaking of Dan Savage, if you are in Brooklyn, New York tomorrow, Saturday, the 8th of October, Dan Savage has this amazing amateur porn film festival called hump and it's happening in brooklyn tomorrow uh there's three times 6 30 8 30 and 10 30 and if you just go to humpfilmfest.com you can get all the information you need buy tickets it is one of my favorite events of the year uh people anonymously submit pornos it basically it's your chance to be a porn star for a night um there's no cell phones you cannot take your cell phone out during the film festival for any reason that's how they secure the anonymity of the actors um and and it not leaking out to anywhere but it is it is such an amazing night to watch 
a bunch of amateur porn films. Some are funny, some are deep, some are so sexy, some are not, some are great with a room full of people. Yeah, that's really fun. We've both been there. Um, and guess who else is fun? This week's guest. Our guest. Um, so this is someone we've been wanting to have on the podcast for a very long time. It is such an honor to have him here. Uh, you might know him from his cable access show that turned into a real TV show. Oh yeah. Wayne's World dreams do come true. Yeah, they do. Um, and he also has a what I only can imagine is going to be an outstanding one-man show called Career Suicide that's running off-Broadway for a limited time in New York City. Uh, One of (laughs) just like the coolest comics in New York and Mm -hmm. possibly around. He's done so many innovative things. uh, And we talk about an array of topics. Such a fun combo. A lot of depression. Hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah, depression. (laughs) With him today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast, Chris Chris Gether. They tell me when it's good, then you think that you'll know. They tell me when it's bad, then you think it will show. But what happens when the good and the bad are respectively ugly? They tell me when it's right, then you just let it grow. They tell me when it's wrong, then you just let it go. But what happens when the wrong and the right are deceptively horrible? And everyone around starts to notice you're miserable. Keep on missing people that will never miss you so. I think that's when you'll know. I'm a big fan. I've I've been saying that for a while. (laughs) So honored. My buddy Burr Biggs turned me on to the show. That's the coolest story I've ever heard about anything. That was our favorite story about the podcast. I remember we were were driving to a show in Virginia, and he was like, I've been listening to this show, and... uh, like, it's really good. It's it's really intense. <laughs> and we listened to like a whole bunch of episodes and I've been listening ever since. That's great. Well, I your podcast, Beautiful Anonymous, is amazing. Thanks. Uh, Steven and I listen to it all the time. And I think I listened to this one episode where you had a call where this guy ended up having a homeless guy living in his treehouse who oh, was like a heroin dealer. Yeah. That episode was nuts. That was I don't know if that guy was telling the truth at all. I I was wondering that too, and I was like, I I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, you just don't I liked know. It. Entertaining episode. Very entertaining. But yeah. one of the things you said was it's you're either your therapist told you or you just said this yourself that you had to try not to turn your podcast into therapy. Yeah. And that's time. I totally got that. But yeah. what do you what are the dangers of doing that or why? Why are you cautious about it? Well, I think like there's people who go to school for a real long time to know how to do that and know when it's helping and hurting. And I'm not one of those people. And it's weird. Like I've talked so much about my own 
Um, like I'm, I've, I've gone crazy a couple of times in my life and I take pills for it and I see a shrink and I've always been really open about that. And I'm proud of that, but people reach out, um, a lot, like people, people definitely send a lot of emails and Facebook messages and stuff asking for my help. And I've realized that like, there's a certain degree to which I can help. And then I've also been involved in some situations where like, I'll answer and then maybe a reply will come back where I'll realize like, oh, this person is like actually avoiding getting help by reaching out to some random comedian they don't even know. Mm. Oh, that's And then a good I'm point. like, oh, I'm kind of like validating. Like this person, like, like I've had a couple situations over the years where people will be like, yeah, you get it. Like my mom tried to tell me I have to go to a hospital and I'm like, you don't get it, but, but Gethard gets, and I'm like, no, Ooh. you should probably go to a hospital. <laughs> yeah. I don't know you. Your mom knows you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not there. I, uh, I don't want to get too specific, but there was, there was one, there's been a few situations in particular, one that comes to mind where there was a very, very intense fan who started leaving, like sending me some messages saying how much I helped. And then it turned into him like leaving comments on my wife's Facebook posts and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is too much. Were mm. they uh, inappropriate? Not outright inappropriate, but just but concerning. Weird- and then and then I started getting tweets from his friends that were like, you have to talk to him about this. He's You're the only person he'll listen to. And I was like, I don't actually- He doesn't know me. Know this person. So oh, so, so a couple situations like that where I've realized like, yeah, the, the advice of be a good person who listens and can- can talk casually about this stuff is good, but but the advice of maybe don't try to actually present yourself as someone who can offer a solution is a good one because then yeah. maybe will help me avoid the situations where people go. It's weird because like especially through I had a pub I have a TV show and it used to be on public access and that era of my life it got very like culty and like I, I enjoy that I have fun with that but there's definitely an element of like there's a few fans of mine where if I said like we should all move to a compound and start having sex with each other all the time. Like they'd <laughs> oh be my totally God. down. Dear diary, best day ever. They'd be totally down. They'd yeah. be totally down. And I I'm think, into it. I'm yeah. into that. But I also kind of have to be responsible about that. You yeah. Know? It's that line that you yeah. have to be aware of. Yeah. But yeah. I want to like enjoy that people are passionate about my stuff, but I don't want to get so caught up in it. That, that you're I in a sex do. cult in yeah. Nebraska. Start your own religion. Although, you know a few it. years ago, I would have been totally down. I would have been 100% down. <laughs> have you ever down. been in a sex cult? Never been in a sex cult. No, no. I yeah. feel like they're fun. I would imagine. I, I think those things, from what I've read, they seem like they're really fun. And then the moment they're not fun, it's like- Everyone's super dies. not yeah. fun. Everyone's in prison or dead. Yeah. 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 So what happened in your life that a couple years ago, you would have been into being like this all-powerful leader? Well, the big thing that changed in my life, and you can kind of, it, it, like if anybody's ever followed my work, like you can see I got a little- I used to be like all access. I used to do a lot of like weirdo projects where I'd wind up like sleeping on fans floors. And I walked across the country once and just like got rides and shelter from fans. And that really, a lot of that changed when I got married. Cause (laughs) when you get married all of a sudden, like, cause Rice like stop sleeping in strangers homes. No, she never even asked that. Like she's into (laughs) it. But the issue is more like, I was like all access to a degree that I think was pretty, like pretty extreme. And like, mm-hmm. like I would have like a lot of people who work on my show are just like fans who showed up one day where I was like, no, just work. I know they have jobs and that's cool. And like, like, <laughs> that's yeah, like great. You're yeah, a beloved person. It's awesome. It's nice. But, but there, <laughs> you gotta, there comes a time I imagine where they're, I don't know, it gets to be a little much. Yeah, it does. And, and they're also, I will say too, cause I have like, I've had enough depression issues that there was like, 
there's a long stretch in my life where I was like, well, if some fan flips out and kills me, I don't really care. Like, I don't oh. care. That would be a cool way to go out. Like, yeah, be that's legendary. True. And now I have a wife. <laughs> I have a wife. I'd rather someone not kill her. So, yeah. um, like, but you're so okay with someone killing you. I wouldn't love it. <laughs> it wouldn't be the best day ever. <laughs> yeah. I think I used to maybe romance like that. But I will say too, there was a stretch where the the, the showrunner of my show, my friend JD, who's always been in charge of, of my show starting from public access till now, there was a stretch where it got so intense that he used to keep a list of names where if anything happened to me, he was going to immediately go to the police and say like, just check into these people because it's like oh. intense. And I've had to kind of- Like people who would possibly kill you? People where if I was killed, oh, Jesus Christ. like that's under which the body might be <laughs> very there was, trusting. There was a stretch where it was like, I was definitely in one of those situations where if someone said to me, like, I, I love you and then stabbed me and went, I hate you. Like that wouldn't have <laughs> been so cool. It wouldn't have been so surprised. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He's yeah. like a, the Monica Sellis of comedy. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And what were um, the incidents that you, because one of the things I followed you since when I first moved to New York, I would go to ASCAT all the time. Oh, like that's awesome. Nine years ago. Yeah. yeah. I remember and the P. Diddy coming to your show. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I remember this that. Is, yeah. This is just a whole. Yeah. That and, was kind of the big one that started. Yeah. Like, like the cult. Buzz, really blew yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was really cool to see like unfold on, on social media and stuff. Um, And I loved when you talked about depression and you did a blog post a long time ago where you took a photo, you posted a photo of yourself in the midst of a depressive yeah. episode. Yeah. And that was the first time I ever saw like, that's what my mom looks like when she, she's bipolar. Yeah. And so I sent that blog post to her and she was like, it like kind of saved her life a little bit and really that's helped awesome. her because she's still under the, the belief that like, it's very taboo. I shouldn't talk about it. I don't want to burden anybody with it. Uh, obviously we're her family, so we know about it, but, um, so I'm interested, like, do is what you have just clinical depression, anything else? It's funny. Like I've had some doctors tell me I'm bipolar. I've heard manic depression. I've heard those are the same thing. I've had doctors tell me I'm neither of those. And uh, like, it's weird. So is she. It's It's, like, no one knows. Yeah. And it's kind of all made up and I'm okay (laughs) with that. Like, I don't think that makes it like snake oil. Like I take my prescriptions and you know, there's this book, the DSM. Do you know about the DSM? They're up to the DSM five. This is like, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. This is like the book that all mental health professionals use for their diagnoses, but like they Mm -hmm. update it and change it every few years. I think even they say things are kind of like pretty fluid. So I don't know. It's definitely something in the realm of manic depression. Um, and it's much more under control than it used to be. But yeah, I, I spent a long time in life where I'd have like very high highs and then extremely dangerous lows. Yeah. yeah. And those times that you said that you went crazy a few times in your life from depression, like what did that, what was that like? Well, for me, it's, it's been, it's been weird. Like one of the things I've realized as I've gotten older is I think the craziest times are actually the manic times. Like, I don't think that gets talked about as much because the depression stops you in your tracks and people can see it. Like people know what that looks like. Yeah. But my most dangerous times were actually when I was on the other end of the spectrum. Like that's when I like both, I would say the most dangerous depression I ever had was probably 2000. Well, it's tough to say because I didn't really get treatment until I was about 22. And before that, there were times where I was like actively putting myself in danger. Were you confused at the time? Like, what am I doing? Whatever. Well, I knew something was up and I knew like, I knew there, like it would, I feel like what happens with me, um, which is all I can speak to is sometimes I'll get manic and I'll just keep like pushing myself into situations where I'm like, 
I am aware that this is not totally safe or cool, but man, is it fun. And it makes me feel like it's this adrenaline rush I'm chasing. And then what happens is the bottom falls out from that. And then the depression just like bites me in the ass. Was walking across country and sleeping in people's houses one of those times where you were pushing no. yourself to do something manic? I mean, I, that's cool. Well, I probably would do that. I anyway. will, well, I will say, I don't think it was totally that, but I do think one of the things I've only realized in the last year or two is that I definitely used performing as a way to chase adrenaline. And I think it had some elements of that. Of I think for me, comedy... Um, and especially some of the weirder stuff I've done was maybe a way to kind of channel that energy into something that was a little more productive or a little bit more, um, public, like to make an art project out of the fact that I want to kind of be a weirdo was probably healthier than just doing it in private, but not still (laughs) not the healthiest thing. But yes, since I've been in treatment, the bottom's really fallen out twice. Like depression wise, 2007 was very, very bad. And then 2012, there were about three or four months of 2012 where it was just mania to a degree that I look back and I'm like, wow, that was Did you like scary. dance around naked in the street? No. Well, what happened in 2012 was, I, I think this actually probably dovetails into the podcast nicely. I, I basically was in a relationship on and off for eight years. And there was a year, we started dating in 2004. We broke up for all of 2010 and I just went <clears throat> nuts. And I got a sitcom that year and oh, it kind shit, of famously right. bombed. <laughs> And then, but I was like, definitely like all of a sudden had like money for the first time. And I'll tell you when, when you have a sitcom and there's all this press, like, like girls were coming out of the woodwork. And it was this bizarre thing where like, if I signed on to Facebook after midnight, someone would hit on me. Like I just became a famous person for a few months and it was this very intoxicating thing. And, um, and, and, and. Then I got back together with the old girlfriend and then 2012, we broke up for good. But the way we broke up, I still feel very bad about. She does not speak to me. And I think a lot of it is because of the circumstances of that is I fell off the wagon and did just a ton of MDMA at Bonnaroo. I performed oh. at Bonnaroo. Mm. And ate- MDMA. Great drug. Yeah, I've so never fun. done it. Is that so it's fun. hallucinogenic, right? Well, it's, I don't know much about it. It's drugs. like what's it's what makes ecstasy ecstasy. It's oh, like is it Molly? It's Molly. Oh, I've done that. MDMA I did a quarter one once. Yeah, at a shuffleboard bar. It was really oh the one out in Gowanus. Yes, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. My friends got married there, and I was the reverend. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's the one and only time I did Molly. It <laughs> yeah. was rad. I ate. You ate a quarter of a pill. I ate three hundred dollars in thirty worth in thirty six hours. I didn't really know how it worked, and oh my, my oh. addict side kicked in. <clears throat> And I went nuts, came back to New York and, and, um, I, what was that like doing that much? It was, uh, it was were you just like someone touch me. <laughs> it was really, really fun until it wasn't. And then people started going like, Whoa, dude, slow down. And I was like, no more, more, more. Cause I have an addict thing. Like yeah. I, I don't drink for a reason. And then I broke up with this girl. And then that, the aftermath of that, uh, was, extreme and in the middle of that i didn't With heartbreak you mean or getting into being single getting into after being her single and, and you had partying a show a lot and yeah. had the show and, and what and, was the reason for the final breakup though well it was it was i i was basically we did the chris gethard show at bonnaroo uh-huh. and like these are the people who i was i'm closest with in life like th- this this was a situation like it was a very very special thing in my life that will never happen again where we switched my show from UCB to public access and all these people found it. And they were all just kind of these like very fringe filmmakers. And, and I also look back at that era and feel like, I wonder how you guys feel like 
there used to be like an alt scene in New York that was like Rafifi and it was like Eugene and Dimitri and, and Bobby Tisdale and those guys. And that I think kind of went away. And now I think it's sort of back with like Joe Firestone and Julio oh, Torres and Brett Davis. But there was an era where I think maybe my show was like where the weirdos had to go. Like, yeah. like that, I think there was a stretch where my public access show was the weirdos and we all became very, very tight. And I took all this Molly at Bonner and, and we all did. And a friend of mine said to me, he goes like, dude, that girl you're always around, are you ever going to make a move on her or not? And I was like, we've been dating for eight years and like, we're so not affectionate with each other that no one even knows it. Wow. And it was getting to a point too, where like she had gone to a bunch of weddings and like, wouldn't it like, would just be like, Hey, like, don't make plans with me. I'm going to a wedding this weekend. And I'm like, you don't want to like bring your boyfriend of eight yeah. years as a date and like weird things like that. And then I kept trying to get her to move in with me and she didn't want to. And after eight years, I was like, at that point I was 32 years old dating someone for eight years. We weren't moving in together and started having all these thoughts of like, I want my parents to know their grandchildren and yeah. like all this stuff. And and listen, she has her side of the story too, where I was not great either. And, and I get that but I can just speak to my perspective and I have no ill will. And if she hears this or if mutual friends hear it, I'm not trying to talk bad. I'm just being honest. Well, it's about, what happened. Yeah. And and it's what happened very much from my perspective too. Yeah. So when my friend said that, like, this is a guy who I was hanging out with multiple times every week who didn't Jeez. even know I had a girlfriend. And it just it gave me this like real moment. And and Molly was involved. I was, was going to say you were on Molly when I he- was. And oh, he just what said a this bummer realization. I was going to say, I was like, yes. this is some Molly realization. And you yes. bad okay. trip. I mean, I ate so much Molly and then oh, had this shit. thing said to me where I was like, that's just totally true. And, and just had this oh. real moment where I was like that, the person I am dating is an extremely good friend of mine and that's it. And that's okay. And yeah. I don't have to feel bad if that's what it is. So then we broke up and, and I came back to New York and things went nuts. And in the another real problem was that I, I was really embarrassed. So I told my shrink I did the Molly, but I didn't say I did way too much and it has really fucked me up and I'm really losing it because I was just embarrassed. And that was a mistake. And she put me on Adderall in the middle of this oh. without knowing I was in a bad spot. And I started abusing that. I was eating... Um, I got up to the point where I was eating 60 milligrams of Adderall every day that summer. And I was just like losing tons of weight and not sleeping and staying out all night. And just like, it got crazy. I started wow. having people in my life saying like, you look so good. Like, how are you losing uh, all this weight? And I was like, literally because I'm just eating Adderall. Pills, like guys. Oh my God. And then God. it was just stay up all night. And you know, that was, I think- Oh, like, and getting no sleep will and fuck like, you up. And like I had started, my career had gotten to a point where like, I was known as this cult guy. And like, I think I did, like I was maybe buying into that a little bit, the popularity of that. Um, yeah. I'm always curious how, cause I think fame affects men differently just because women, like there's just something special about like women throwing themselves at a straight guy, like yeah, straight women. It's, it's funny. Cause I'm actually really tight with Firestone and she's got so much buzz right now. Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't open mean. a magazine in New York without yeah. finding an article about Joe. And it's funny cause she and I have talked a bunch and I, I remember saying to her once, she, cause she said like, you had a ladies man stretch. And I was like, yeah, well, when you, you know, when your comedian people come up and they're like really flirty and she's like, not when you're a female comedian, no, she was like, it just means real. boys yeah. get intimidated, stay away. And I was like, oh, that sucks. You don't get like, <laughs> we don't get any dick for being funny. Yeah. It's a bummer, huh? It's such a bummer. We get it's free necklaces. Yeah. I, and we put them on Instagram. Oh yeah. We got free feminist necklaces. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool though. And I have a huge box of condoms in my room if you oh, want any. That's awesome. It's, it's more condoms than anyone ever needs. I might take you up on the lube yeah like, we have a lot of that stuff <laughs> yeah condoms i'm good <laughs> do you wear condoms i'm married I'm a, mar I'm a married man i you know yeah 
I've been with my with Steven for five and a half years. We still use condoms. Wow. Because he just really doesn't want to get me pregnant. And I'm on birth control. I'm I like, get that. Dude. Yeah, it's a it's a Because if much. I had to get an abortion, it would ruin me. Like if I got pregnant, yeah, I'd probably do that. But well, that, it would, that's not an easy decision. Here's another ah, this is probably bad to share, but who cares? This is like <laughs> No, that's, that's what, what this podcast this is, that's is what space about. Another thing when I was dating my ex, and I, I feel bad about this because I think it might be a little shallow. But we had been not using condoms for like six years. And then That's we normal. and then we started again. And I don't, I'm not saying like you made me use a condom, but I was like, this is just like such a reflection of the fact that we are our intimacy is moving in the wrong direction. Right. Regressing. Yeah. 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 So you used to all the is she the one I'm assuming that implemented yeah. that? And it was I remember it was a conversation. It was one of these conversations that just felt like like I understand she had reason like she didn't want to be on birth control pills and i got that and there's there were physical reasons for that so she she was on birth control and went off of it yeah because i think it was having some effects it makes me nuts yeah and i got that and i i think i sound insensitive right now i don't mean to because i understood all that but just the 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 way we were unable to have a clear conversation about it that's indicative of something oh we're not we are not. You don't want your jizz in me? My jizz in you anymore? I mean, I wasn't. That's, let's not put those words. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, I can't, uh, this is. I, I, I get it. Feel, I yeah. feel that we are unable to have this conversation about our own sexuality. I think a lot of good. couples have that. Yeah. And even couples, like we've heard from a lot of them who've been together for a really long time and have not told each other. One email that I, that I always reference is, uh, this girl I would be with her boyfriend for like six years and they listened to the podcast. And then one day she like told, she never told anybody this in her life that she was molested. Whoa. And then he was like, I was molested too. And I was whoa. like, whoa. And they didn't know that six years together. Look at that. And that affects your sexuality. I would of imagine. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's, it's crazy how uh, it's like, I always think like, what is the block between couples actually making the move to open up the conversation, which I've gotten so much better about. And I think in 2012, despite how, I mean, like I had a night in 2012 when my friend, my friend, Bethany, my friends, Bethany and Keith, who are both on my show, like real, like family level friends came to my house one night that summer. They just were in the neighborhood and, and rang the doorbell and I happened to be home. And I was, I was flipping out so bad and having such a bad episode that Bethany has told me she, when she left, she started crying because she was like, we should have called an ambulance to come get him. Like it was unhealthy. What were you doing? Yelling? I was just like, like, like freaking out and, and, and talking so fast. And they were like, they came over and they were like, well, what's going on with you? And I'm like, here's what's going on with me. He's like, just nothing's going right in my life. And and I just can't get anything straight. And we were sitting, I used to have this back porch where I lived in Greenpoint. We were sitting out there and they were like, things are going good for you, man. Like we've been friends for years. Things are better than they have ever been. I was like, no, everything's fucked up. Nobody wants our show. Nobody wants me. Like nobody this and that. And I was just ranting and raving about you wouldn't even listen to career stuff. And, and just also like, I'm a, I'm a pretty smart guy and, and pretty in touch with my emotions and also was able to just like convince them and convince myself of like, no, here's why my life sucks. And here's why it's all fucked up. And, and they left and she was just like, Whoa. And, and it was bad, but I will say, I look back and I'm like, Oh, I, it also was this very healthy time because I had been in a relationship for almost my entire twenties 
And I packed in so much living just as far as <laughs> slam puss getting out there. 2012 was a good year. Went nuts. I went yeah. nuts. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say. But it, that's not a bad thing. No, it was like half the health, half the <laughs> most dangerous summer I've ever had and half <laughs> the most healthy, open, getting in touch with my, getting so, so much getting past the Irish Catholic bullshit I grew up with. Yeah. and. Just figuring out, eat butt the first time I ate You butt. ate butt? I, I love eating Hell butt. Hell yeah, 2012 was a 2012, great year. I ate year. butt, I ate butt in the hotel room. What inspired you to want to eat an ass? Here's what inspired me is I had, I was seeing this girl. She was super cool. She told me she always had this fantasy of a guy getting a hotel room and letting her just order whatever she wanted on room service and just like wasting a man's money. And I'm, I like, I, I love a good submissive experience. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's great. So I didn't tell her and I rented a hotel room and I was like, go nuts. And it was one of the most fun, fun nights I've ever oh, had. Wow. That sounds awesome. It was so fun. And what inspired the butt eating, it was less inspiration. <laughs> I like how you and call more, it butt eating. Yeah, it was less inspiration and more that she just grabbed a handful of my hair and then my mouth was on her butt because that's where she put it. And I liked yeah. it. I was like, I like, I like this. I enjoy this. I, that sounds great. Except for the night that I ordered the most room, room service. service is not the night that I want my butt eating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she ate a what whole, a brave woman. She also she <laughs> a hero. She, this girl is the coolest. She's so cool. <laughs> she seems it. Yeah, I want to be her friend. The room service guy came to the door and she was in the bathtub and I was like, "Let me shut the door." And she was like, "Don't shut the door." And I was like, "Whoa, yes. this is the best." <laughs> nice. Night. That dude I, might see you naked yeah. and it's awesome. She ordered a whole rotisserie chicken and had like Jeez. two bites and was like, "I'm wasting your money." I was like, "Oh, this Ooh. is amazing." This oh, that's why cool. she was able to get her butt. Yeah. yeah. So there was a yeah. little bit of kink involved. It was a in lot that. more about yeah. It was a lot more about wasting money and having power over me. Yeah. I got distracted eating. by the food part. I get it. I get it. I have get you it. done anything like that since with, either with right there for somebody else? Like how kinky have you gotten? I've gotten it's fun to discover. Day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have learned over. I mean, I'm a pretty mild mannered. I, I have a very I, I've realized my personality like I'm a pretty mild mannered guy day to day. But then I also professionally have, you know, based on the fact that I think I'm just pretty aggressive about making my own career. Like I'm the host of my own talk show and I have been very aggressive about making things happen for myself. So I think because I'm often in like a little bit of maybe an alpha position day to day, because I have had to fight to make my own thing. I think I have learned that it's made me really enjoy the submissive side mm, when I can being let that slapped go. around or something. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's interesting how those kinks kind of usually relate to like something opposite of what you actually experience in your everyday life. Yeah. Like, I think that's, I have a cuckolding fetish because I think actually it might be because I've gotten cheated on. So I want to control it now and see yeah. my boyfriend fuck somebody in front of me. Really? And it, I I've do like it to this. I've heard yeah, you and I really do like it because part you, of me. And I, I'm because uh, I've heard you talk about this, but I don't, is this, am I allowed to ask? Is this something yeah. you've acted on at this yeah, point? Yeah, twice. Yeah. Wow. And uh, at first, I was like, "Am I just like, saying this to like be a good girlfriend?" Because he dated a porn star before me, and I wanted yeah. to like try and one up, but that's right. Pointless. And but it's, um, no, it's genuine enjoyment. Genuine enjoyment. I get it though. I get that that you want to see. You want to see this person you I want to see what he looks craved. like having yes and yeah. I want to see seeing what he looks like having sex from like a point of view that's yeah. not having sex with him is so hot. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I like it. Yeah, I've gotten punched <laughs> in the face during sex and I was Whoa. like big thumbs up to that. Really? Did you know it was coming? No, no, mm. no. Wow, that's that's yeah. interesting. Were you with that whoever punched you in the face no. were you with that person for a while or um was that the first time you slept with them? 
That was the first time I slept with them. Oh, yeah. Hank Moody over here. What a Hank Moody. <laughs> Explain. That happens in Californication. Californication. Duh. Oh, sorry. You're Not like the Brooklyn Hank Moody. The Brooklyn right? Hank Moody. I'll that take is it. so true, actually. I'll take it. And my favorite part was that it's the youngest daughter from the nanny that punches them in the face. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, great casting. <laughs> <laughs> How kinky did you get in the summer of 2012? Uh, pretty. Uh, the Punch in the face is fun. Punch in the face face the hotel room thing those were the same summer um <laughs> what else happened that summer i had i had uh i think my because uh, i don't want to i don't ever want to put my wife in a position where she has to deal with me being too open but right I understand. what else let's see i i had i went on i had multiple I did have an orgy, not an orgy i had an experience where it was it was very funny i have this i have this um a girl asked me out on Facebook and then a, a friend of mine, I have a, another girl also asked me out and on said, Facebook? I'm only free on the same day that I already had a date. Aww. And my instinct was like, don't do that. But I have this friend named Mike D from Jersey, who's exactly what you think a guy <laughs> named D. Mike D from Jersey is. Yeah. And he's kind of the guy, like the first time I've really, the first time I've ever done any drug, it was with him. We went to high school and college together and he's a few years older than me. And he was just like, really? kind of like a very good mentor in my life because he was always like he was like let's try fucked up shit and just be together and keep it safe he's yeah. like i've done he's fucked up shit everyone needs a little mike d yeah in them. i agree the yeah. first time i smoked pot i was a freshman in college and he called me up and he was like dude like you're gonna smoke pot at some point come do it with me i'll teach you how like he's that friend in my life and I called him and I was like, should I go on two dates in one day? And he was <laughs> no, like, no, Mike D. <laughs> I was like, I feel really bad. And he's Mike D question. <laughs> it was big time. Like Mike D's the guy you go to when you want a certain answer. You right. know? And you're going to give me the answer that I want to hear. hear. But he said, he's like, look, he's like, you're a good guy and nothing's going to change that. And you're kind of doing like a scumbag move, but also you like, you want this experience. Like you want to regret doing this, not regret, not doing it. But Good point, Mike D. Oh, wow. What he needs a coffee table book. But then in a very sort of, it, I mean, it became like, a, it, it almost became like a fucking sketch comedy thing. It wound up, I wound up going on four dates in 24 hours. Oh, boy. Four dates in 24 hours. Yeah, wow. Yeah. With four different people? Four different people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was nuts. <laughs> and did you have to do any like, like that scene in Miss Doubtfire where he goes back and forth, like changing costumes. Yeah. No back and forth, but certainly some sprinting, certainly some like, okay, this was really great. I hope we can. Why are you rushing? And then literally like hailing a cab with this hand while you hug her with the other. It it was weird. Cause I mean, growing up, like growing up, you can, I mean, growing up who I was being who I am today, I was never a very sexual being. So to kind of get to New York and realize that there was a market for guys like me, as long as I could be confident and stuff, I took it, I went overboard with it. Um, but I, well, that one year, but I don't, you think though, being in a relationship for that long, there was some, there was this need to like, let your freak flag fly a little bit. Yeah. And it was good. It was like, nice to realize like, Oh, guys like me, like our teenage years are going to be horrible. Our twenties are going to be pretty bad. But once you get to your thirties, guys like Coast me, in. they have a good time. You can have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Just Men in their thirties are like looked upon as like, they know what they want. They're sexy. They're career oriented. And, and I got to, I also went to Brooklyn. Like I wound wow. up, I wound up going to the place at the time where people like me were going to do well. Yeah. And I did all right. I was, a, I was a ladies man for a bit, which nobody expected, least of all myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that you had that experience. I feel like everyone needs that. Thanks. That year or that 
some for people it's a 10 year stretch. Yeah. But like it kind of makes you feel alive in a way that's specific to chasing pussy or chasing dick. Like it, it's, it feels almost animalistic, but it's so it's an adrenaline. That's yeah. like no other, it's similar to performing for sure. But you can like worrying, like, is he going to text me back? Or am I going to go over his house tonight? I don't know. That was always so much fun for me. I liked it. I, I, I will say I've re- one of the things I'm, I, I, I feel very lucky about is like, I am the type of person who I can't drink. And I, when I do Molly, I do way too much. So I did realize, and I had some friends point out to me, <laughs> hey, like this is, this can be just as much of a an addictive thing. Yeah, so I had to true. really be conscious of that because my personality type, because I think one thing I was really good about was I don't think I ever played games and I don't think I was ever deceptive or I think people generally knew what they were getting into when they That's great. when they shacked up with me. <laughs> By and large, so that the was, ladies I'm, don't knew what they were getting into. I feel I know, but I, I think there were some people who, like the butt eating girl, she straight up was like, there was. I remember, I remember when I I started dating someone, and I said to her, "Hey, I'm actually seeing someone now," and she's like, "Oh, cool, that's good." And I was like, "Oh, that's good." Like I, I thought maybe that would like you'd feel burned because we've been like hooking up. And she's like, I don't want to date you. You're fucked up. <laughs> You're a fucked up person. Yo. How did you feel when she said that? Were you like happy, relieved or like, oh. Well, I, I actually felt like very, how would I say it? I felt very, I was very impressed. I was very impressed by her um, because I think there's maybe a little bit of a standard in our society where it's like, like, Guy, you know, guys traditionally going back to that like 50s paradigm, like, yeah, guys are going to be a little bit more scumbags and girls are going to mm-hmm. get a little bit more burned by it. But she was like, no, I'm not getting fucking burned. You're yeah. getting burned. Like, <laughs> right. Well, that's the you're thing getting, that you're in, you're fucking lunatic right now. <laughs> I would never throw my hat in the ring with Why you, do you in any way beyond yeah. just the fact that it's fun that you let me spend your money and we fool around and we have good chemistry. Like that was cool. Yeah. It's cool to see. And it's, I feel like people don't, uh, like a lot of guys think that, oh, you're going to get attached. Not even in that a douchey of a way, but like, hey, or just assume that the woman is going to be upset when you end something. But yeah. a lot of women I know, and I've done it too, like we're just we are get horny too and want fuck buddies. And I I will also say having dated someone for the majority of my twenties, that's a thing I did not learn about New York City ah, until mm, I New York threw myself into. Especially, it. I feel like I never really date. I moved to New York when I was I moved to Astoria when I was twenty four years old and started dating a girl that I I dated pretty much the whole time until I was thirty two. Damn. So yeah. I didn't have that New York. I never did like the stay out at Union Pool until four in the morning and just right. see who's there. You know what I mean? You didn't really miss anything. Back in the Rafifi days. Where <laughs> yeah. was, I had a roommate during the Rafifi days who was like, dude, you just hang out at Rafifi long enough and then it becomes a hookup party. It was like, I never had that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't learn about that until I met um, some of these ladies in my in my early 30s. <laughs> Do you ever question like people who are interested in you. I know it's common among a lot of my male, especially comedian friends, that they almost seem to think less of women who are, once they are attracted to them reciprocally. I never thought less of a woman. I was always, I was very, very confused. I I was genuinely, that, that the first year I was single in 2010, I was extremely surprised and confused that people were attracted to me because I've always had very, very low self-esteem. And my 20s when i when i was single it was a profound loneliness being someone who has depression and also 
is a guy who looks like this, who grew up in North Jersey. Like I am not a commodity in Northern New Jersey. <laughs> We're in Jersey. In, anyway, in a town called West Orange. Oh, I'm from Union. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I went to Rutgers and everything. Like, oh, my parents oh, nice. too. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, at, at Rutgers, nobody's <laughs> the looking fucking for, Mike D's. Nobody's looking at this guy at <laughs> yeah. Rutgers University, you know? You're way too pale for Rutgers University. Yeah. You're an asshole writing a poem in the and corner. you're not wearing sweatpants, it looks like. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was not I was not highly sought after. So being being that guy and 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 having depression issues, it was I can only say it was a an isolating and terrifying feeling of loneliness that I felt for a lot of my time when I was single. Um, so to be 30 and and break up with my ex for a year and then realize, oh, actually, like there's a lot of girls who are making eyes at me and I just never knew it. And, you know, you go, I also was like, I don't know. I, I've never know. I always like my step, my, I, I don't really know where I stand in the New York comedy world. Cause I feel like everybody else has friends. I don't really feel like I have friends. Really? Like, I hear about like standups going out to brunch with each other and stuff. And I'm the like, fuck goes to brunch. People go to brunch. People go to, to brunch. People go to brunch. Yeah. People now do you hang, out. are you more but of a standup or an improv? That's my, no, that's the thing I think. Cause you straddle you're like both. the king of UCB. I like was. when I was, when I, even when I was going to ask at nine years ago, we were like, yeah, there. I had the biggest crush on Neil Casey. Like oh, before yeah. he was on TV. Oh yeah, because he was, he was the funniest person I've ever yeah. seen in my whole life. Yeah, and um, <laughs> he didn't like me back. But um, and did you go for it? I told Bobby Moynihan to tell him that I liked him, and then he came back and he was like, "I told him," and I was like, "Cool, what he say?" He's like, "Okay." I'm like, oh man, I think I creeped him out. What a hilarious! Cheater. I feel like I creeped him out. <laughs> I also like that you're. You're like going to Bobby Moynihan to get at Neil Casey. <laughs> well, That's yeah. usually, I feel like that problem back then works in the opposite more often. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't done improv in like four years. Okay. And now I just do stand up, but I think all the stand ups are wary of me because I'm a UCB guy. Or, mm, but that's no, quite possible. You're not, but I you also might not know be that. wrong. I'm not something I'm going to hear, but like, I feel I like. I also am in my head. I think that maybe is more invented than truth. Like, I think I've is. earned respect. Yeah, you, sure, so you certainly oh, have. You're a very well respected comedian among the stand up community for sure. So yeah, I, do you I, do club spots? Yeah, I do, I do clubs all the time. When? Yeah, we did the stand together not yeah. too long ago. You were at the, one of the weirdest nights I've ever had. Yeah, you were there. I was I there. leaned on you. And we didn't, I, we, we'd met a few times, but I leaned mm-hmm. on you in that. Just randomly? Well, it was also like. Well, I mean, he knew it was Were you like, eh. No, but I will also say it's because I listened to this show. It's, I listened to this show and you were, I would argue at the stand, because the stand is like a club club. And oh, like, yeah. It's and, a great club. Yeah, it's a great club. I have a good time there. They've been super cool to me. Like as a sort of an alty guy, they've put me up a lot and it's been, it's, it's been really cool. But I also was like, I, I, you were there and I was like, oh, you're like the one person who I can lean into on this. Oh, Because you're not really going to talk to like, you know, Dan Soder or Tim Dillon about that <laughs> I'm not that gonna tell incident. the cool kids what No, happened. they're just gonna make fun of me where I was like, oh, oh my God. Tim, yeah, was, I fucking love that man. He's one of my he's good friends He's one of the most special people in the <laughs> yes, world. he is. Like, and I'm, when he told us he had a podcast, I was like, thank oh, the fucking heaven. I listen to every episode. It's so funny. <laughs> it's the most bizarre. So Did you listen to the new one with the mother of the I kid who got kidnapped? <laughs> no. He oh interviews the mother of a kid who got kidnapped. Oh and it's my like, God. Tim, in what fucking is world like, is it okay for you to do this? <laughs> no, he just gets it over his fucking head. Oh, Tim. But, I was going to say, is the kid still kidnapped? Yeah. <laughs> is the, ki- the kid still missing? He's one of the first kids who was ever on the side of a milk carton. And they think he got abducted by a I sex mean. predator ring. Oh. And Tim interviewed his thing. And the you Tim is the it. man that you this woman You guys will spoke. love it. Oh but my that God. Night, the night at the stand I'm talking about, it was so weird. I start going and there's this girl in the front row and I pause because I realize 
I dated this girl and oh, no. and kind of burned her. Like, oh. like, like dated her for two or three months and just was not, it was in that summer of 2012. And, and I, what I realized was she was very much not an artist. She had a job in a real industry. And I realized like, oh, I'm dating her cause I kind of want to have a more stable life. And she's dating me cause she wants to like stay out and party and stay up late like comedians do. And we're just kind of like buying into each other's lifestyles. Yeah, We broke up, she didn't like it. She, it was one of these things where she was like, no, you can't break up with me. And I was like, whoa. Like I can. And then I had a bad night in 2012 where I actually really lost it and almost jumped off a fucking cliff in New Jersey and called her from the cliff and was like, I can't do, I'm losing my mind. You have to let me go. And this was this oh. girl in the front row and I haven't seen her. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I owe you an apology. And she went back and forth with me for like 10 minutes yes. and I couldn't get over it. <laughs> so you just had a conversation while you were on stage. Yeah. But wait, there's more. The Hulk, but I mean, the Hulk, especially like I've had, situ- you know, in alt rooms where stuff gets experimental, I've had situations where the crowd gets weird. I've never been in a club where the whole crowd in a club kind of just got quiet mm-hmm. and was just like with rapt Into attention. The was like, what? how the fuck does this end? You know yeah, what I mean? How did- and it was intense and weird and my head was spinning. Aaron Berg was hosting, which was just, oh. so of course he gets up right afterwards and oh, was like, no. hey, I wasn't fucking together. Does he have a big dick? And it was just like, oh God, leave her alone, please. And then, of course, I'm, I, and I immediately, you remember, I ran mm-hmm. over to you and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Straight to you. And then the girl, I waited the whole show because I was like, I have to talk to yeah. her. Yeah, you kept saying through. I was like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta I, wait. I, I, gotta I was wait. like, I want to run away so bad, but I have to stay, you right? And you were, you were like, no, you have to stay. It would not be cool if you yeah. run. And then she, we, the crowd files out. She walks past me and, and you know, the stand, you're up there, the lights are in the, your face. Yeah. She walks by and I'm like, it's not her. It's a girl who looks like her. What? It wasn't her. She, but she was talking to you she as if she was? She just played along. You witnessed the whole conversation. Yeah, I, was like, why did, I was like, why did you do that? And she's like, I thought that was your bit and I was supposed to go with it. I was like, <laughs> no. I mean, you're alty, but not that alty. Can you imagine Jesus if my Christ. act was going to a club and just pray some woman <laughs> will agree in the moment that That's she like dated me? beyond Brooklyn. It that was... Is- so weird. That's an example of the audience quote trying to help. It like, oh, she had a good heart. People just need to respond honestly. Experience. And then she started Facebook messaging me. Oh, she no. did. I didn't know this. She did. I didn't and know I very this. no way. And I very quickly had to go. Hey, I'm married. But that. That's oh, me. Man. That is me. Wow. That, but that gives you an exact glimpse. That's what, what it was like when I was single. Because you guys know, I was the fucking weirdo comedian for a long time in New York. I was like leading the charge on well, the weirdo stuff. Well, you're doing the cool shit and like making everybody at your shows like run to another venue and yeah. take a bus. You're the or, comedian like, everyone like kind of wants to be. You're yeah. like, oh, that looks a lot more fun than just like talking about my relationship. Which I do a lot of that too. But like, well, that's fun but too. But that was my exact yeah. shit is I do some weirdo stuff. And like there'd be some crowd work. And then in very, I, I learned this is scummy. This is like the scummiest me. I learned like, oh, if there was a cute girl and I could see her kind of smiling at me from the crowd, it was like, oh, do crowd work with that girl. And then she'll Facebook message me and then I can ask her. Wow, out. look at you. I, I got that weird. We're getting all kinds okay. of info on Gethard that I yeah, didn't think would fa- happen. Well, I, yeah. we kind of, I remember when- You didn't when, see this coming, right? I no. did. I did. I did. Thank you. When we went, to, I went to UCB, I think one of the people that I know you might've dated. Um, Uh-oh. Uh, Do you want to whisper who it was? Oh, no. Oh, you didn't date her? <laughs> Did you have sex with her? 
I just know. I remember this was years ago, I didn't I even and know. I was so jealous because, like, you were like the hottie, honestly, of you from people. <laughs> Who would think? And I wasn't you a UCB. Left. I just wasn't left. A, I, this is just so ironic because well, you were I doing. I understand this. This whole fucking podcast is based on me getting dumped by an improv nerd. Come on, <laughs> I guess that's true. And that, we, we all know. We all know. I dated her, but you were friend. like, and then I my wanna... friend Jeff was like, "Oh yeah, so and so is like hooking up with Gethin." We like, have to talk. Really? We have to talk. That's great. I'm happy for her. We have to talk because <laughs> her very good friend picked me up on Facebook oh. and we wound up dating for a while. And Man, it got girls really love you on Facebook. <laughs> crazy fast. That got crazy. Uh. And then we broke up and it got dark. It was, it was the messiest breakup I've ever had. And, really? and, 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 and I'm, it seems like you've had a few, I have, <laughs> but I'm doing a lot better now. And this girl I'm referencing is doing a lot better now. And That's we're good. friends now, but our mess up got very, very, Was it very uneven? Dark. Like someone liked the other person more and they no, were like, Oh, it was, it was like, we were both, I think we would both say Is there an airplane flying by my house? Well, all this UN shit. There's a crazy yeah. amount of like police and helicopters out right yeah. now. Yeah. Crazy. Oh my God. Barack Obama. Yeah. Anyway. But me and this girl date, and I think I was in an extremely crazy place. I was taking this bizarre medication called Nuvigil, which I've later Whoa. That someone sounds t- weird. Someone told me it's the medication that that movie Limitless was inspired by. Ooh. I was taking this insane medication and I never had to sleep and I was on what my was sitcom. It for? I was taking it because I was on my sitcom and I was just never able to sleep. And I was this lead on the sitcom. Because of your schedule or because you were so we were excited filming, you had a sitcom? No, we were filming oh. two episodes a week and but, it was just uh, insane. How does that go about? You go to the doctor and be like, listen, my I'm shrink, very busy. My shrink to was sleep, like, doc. This, this drug was developed um, to help fight um, jet lag, to help your sleep schedule adjust because you can take it and then not sleep until it's time to go to sleep and Holy readjust your... Christ. But I swear to God, I'm not kidding. Our, like, our, all times a thousand. Our scripts would, no joke, My our scripts would be 30 pages long and I could memorize an entire 30 page script in less than 20 minutes. What? It was insane. So what? I was, but I was like crazy and started dating this girl. And I think she would say she was in a very crazy place at the time. And we would get, we ha- it was, the, it, we would have this, these crazy, like, let's stay up for three nights and just have crazy sex. And yeah. then- None of these drugs affect your dicks. Sometimes they did. Yeah. New Vigil didn't Adderall. Holy shit. Affected your dick. Oh, I've heard of Adderall dick. I I mean, I either couldn't get a boner or could not come. There's no middle ground with Adderall. No middle. It was so bad. It was either like, either I can't go or this will never end. Oh, which is that I those both suck. I, I feel like I've learned that it's worse for it to never end. Yeah. It's just so bad. I just so you'd feel rather so bad. have no erection than a never ending. Oh erection. my God. I would much rather yeah. say like, Hey, I got to tap out. I yeah. can't get into it. than just be like trying like, to go to bed with a no, boner or just like sweating on some poor girl who <laughs> finished 25 minutes ago. And it's just like, Oh God. Would you, would you have make attempts to finish? And then there would just be that like, dude, just get close after like then... a long 20 minute beat. You're like, can you, End it or yeah? I mean, like, did you have girls ask that? Yes, because I've I sometimes I'm like, all right, dude. I, yeah, I gotta go. Just, I got shit to do. Just like, you know, just finish yourself off that sad conversation. <laughs> when a girl's like, do you just want to? You can just use your hand, and I won't yeah. be offended. I'm I'll actually so, be delighted. Oh god, I've had like you know when someone looks you in the eye and is like we have to stop. I'm going to get a UTI. You know what I mean? Like, I know that feeling yeah. so well. I don't feel good about that. Yeah. I'd like to think I'm a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. To I gotta say, people are always like talking about like a lot of songs about Minutemen. I'd much rather have a Minuteman than oh. someone who's just like Minute- blocking you until you have to go oh, someplace. Yeah, I'd <laughs> way rather. Yeah. It's actually thrilling. I, I'm envious of the Minutemen. Yeah. I'm envious. Yeah. Well, Historically, they're envious I'm on the other side of the fence. 
You know, it's always one we can't have. I but remember I, that girl you're referencing. Oh yeah. Years after this messy breakup, we had settled everything cool now. The girl you referenced uh-huh. left a comment on my Facebook wall. And the girl who I dated called me and was like, did you fuck her? I always oh knew God. you wanted to fuck her and she always wanted to fuck you. And I was like, no, I'd tell you at this point, we haven't yeah. dated in five years. Five years. But there, I always knew there was something. And, but let's also say, if I can pat myself on the back, the girl you're referencing, <laughs> yeah. that's a girl who's out of my league. I guess. I mean, she's beautiful. But you were the fuck you are the, that I repu- your reputation. I didn't know that was. Well, a this thing is how I yeah. always viewed you. You were like the cool fucking dude, like the comedy. You know, like the SNL in seventy five, like they're rock stars. I never that felt was, like the whole that. ass cat cast to me was that like Shannon, you, Neil, like Bobby. I was just so in awe. You guys are the coolest people I'd ever seen Thank in my you. life. But I, didn't then, feel like, I felt like the dorkiest improv kid. Well, it's in that yeah. world. I mean, don't go outside yeah, thinking fish, like that. Pond. But yeah, don't go to like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't be walking down well, the street. That's like, the other thing. I, all these experiences I'm having, not one of these crazy <laughs> nights happened with someone who hadn't seen me do comedy. Well, does that make you feel weird? Felt me, made me feel bad. And what you, I knew, what I, but thoughts? I was, I was smart enough to know. It. I was like, you know what? I had to get, I had to get to a point where, because my self esteem would mess with me, and I'd be like, this isn't real. You don't really like me. And then you know what? Some a very kind girl said to me, "Well, that's part of who you are. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. attracted to you largely because of that, but." You are that part of you. You are that person, and you worked hard to get there. And not everybody can get up on stage and do what you do. So, yeah, I'm attracted to you because of I've seen you on stage. So, That's not a bad. So thing. what? And yeah. that that was a very cool thing to hear. What's your thoughts and stuff? I mean, so many people are attracted to people just because of their aesthetic, but at least like you worked and created something. You weren't yeah. just like born with this face. It's yeah. respectable. It's yes. something you and earned. I had, I had to stop self defeating and convincing myself of like, well, you don't know the real me who's right. not on stage, and it's like. Oh no, first of all, I'm getting a sense of it and it's a fucking mess. And that's why we're not going to actually date. Right. We're just going to go on two dates and it's going to, or we're going to date for a month and it'll be fun. Cause I taste, I am sensing how fucked up and (laughs) crazy you can be, but also own it. Like you worked hard, you get on stage. Not everybody gets to do that. Own it. Yeah, yeah, I'm attracted to it. Yeah, some people are just fucked up and not. Yeah, yeah and it sucks when you see like when somebody does like make excuses for like why that's a bad thing, but like yeah. it's a great thing and it yeah, makes a lot of fine. sense. But no, but I remember when you you were like that guy, and then when you met your wife, I remember I don't because I was always friends with you on Facebook and all the people like Shannon. And I was I'm such a big fan of hers. Oh, and, she's um, my favorite. She's so cool. Um, I was I did the, I was a monologist once for Ask Cat. I was oh, like, that's awesome. I cried when they asked me because I had gone awesome. there nine years ago. Yeah, with this like these are like the people. That's cool. Um, and she's still doing. She's one of. Oh yeah, she was there when I did it. Often, I was like, yeah. hey, and yeah. Anthony was there. Oh. Um, but I remember when you met your wife and and uh, I kind of like followed your love story and I was like, you guys are so cool. And she sings in a band and she's fucking rad. And she's like, a punk rocker. you guys, I don't know anything about you guys, but I think you're one of the cutest couples I've ever Thanks. seen. And, and I've I, only seen you like on Facebook or talk about it in interviews. And but I was a fan of her band for years. I had a crush so on her cool. for like 10 years. Wow. 10 years? And she this also, when I was in that summer of 2012, I made a move on her. I had a bunch of friends, wow. my friends, Bethany and Keith and a bunch of us, we'd all go out dancing in Williamsburg and just stay up all night. It was so fun. And she, Hallie, my wife would always be there. And I made a move on her one night. She, we lived close to each other and we walked home in the same direction. And it was kind of the situation where all these people who would go out, we were all single. And then everybody started dating, pairing up. And she and I, my wife and I were the last two left. So we'd always wind up like dancing on each <laughs> other. 
And it was just clear that there was that vibe. And there was one night where I, like I walked her home and then usually I'd go left and she'd go right. And I was like, do you just want me to walk you home? It's like pretty late at night. And she was like, no, Aww. no. And I was like, <laughs> all right. It like, well, it stung bad. Cause yeah. I knew I was like, I'm really enjoying this. Like, I don't have my shit together. I'm popping lots of Adderall and staying up all night craziness phase. But now here's this girl who I have so much respect for, who's so fucking talented, so beautiful, who I know I have a chance with, but who knows me well enough to know, don't get involved with this guy. He's fucked up. So I had a friend at the time. I I still, he's a, a very, very good friend of mine. But at the time he's a filmmaker. He had a film in a film festival in Rio de Janeiro. And he sensed, he and I were like hanging out and having a lot of fun that summer. And he's a partier. And then he was like, dude, you're actually fucked up. He's like, (laughs) you need to, let's get you out of New York. Like you need to get out of here. And he brought me to Rio. He had a film. I just bummed around with him for four or five days while he like did all this film stuff. And we were going to like, you know, premiere parties and stuff. It was cool. It got you out of that pattern. Well, what really got me out of the pattern was I ate these, at one night (laughs) late, I ate these fucking weird, I still don't know what they were. The only place I could find that was open was selling these weird nuggets at a stand on the beach in Copacabana, fried root vegetables of some sort. And I got food poisoning so bad, just diarrhea for two days. Nice little cleanse. It was, both physical and spiritual. Wow. And I wound up, our roof, our our hotel, there was a pool on the roof and no one was ever at it. Cause you're in Brazil, you'll go to the beach, not the pool. Yeah. And there was a bathroom up there and I just sat on the roof of this hotel in Brazil for two days. Shitting. And it was, yeah, just shitting. And like romantic had had this moment where I was like, (laughs) I think I need to get, I think I need to get my life together because I really want to date Hallie. Like but it like really forced me to I slow down. I mean, that's down. cinematic. If you don't put that in a movie one day, shitting one. I'm going to be very mad at you. Just like, over, like literally I overlooking see the shot sugar in my loaf. head right now. Like overlooking. I see the sun rising yeah. actually in my image. <laughs> but had rising. a real moment of reckoning. And also I wrote this thing because I, I wrote a book. I write essays sometimes. I wrote this thing that on, I've only let two people read it. And it's definitely the best thing I've ever written. And I can never put it out into the world because it's brutal. Because it's How? me, it, 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 it's basically me saying I'm fucking up on purpose because I feel so bad about breaking up with my girlfriend and I'm fucking up to punish myself and I'm, and, and it's not good. And here, and now there's this woman that I do not have a right to date because I've let my life get to a point where I, I'm not, not beating up on myself, not being melodramatic. I'm just not living in a way where I can ask this person out on a date because she's better than me. I've made myself a person who she is better than me. And I need, Ooh. I need to get it together. And it was about 30 pages long. I wrote it on the plane on the way home from Brazil and wow. my friend Antonio read it and one other person read it. And they were both like, this is so beautiful and intense and you should never, ever, ever, ever let the world see it. Oh, I bet you're going to get an offer on you're that. You're going to have. It's bad. Exclusive. <laughs> that, but that's, I mean, I, I think I, maybe not to the extreme that you're, that you're referencing, but I've felt my, I've witness myself in moments where I'm fucking it up on purpose, not yeah. necessarily with romance. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I, I don't know. I'm like, do I want it to be fucked up so I can fix it? Do I, what am I trying to do? Is, is when everything isn't fucked up, is that too boring for me? Do I need more excitement? Like, I yeah. don't fucking know. I've been there. Wow. I really want to read that shit. I can't do it. How long it's have brutal. you been with your wife? Uh, we, just, uh, August 30th was our two year wedding anniversary. Two year wedding. Aww. And then we only dated. We, I got back from Brazil and that was, I think, late 
it was like mid-September. And then we... How, yeah, how'd you rekindle that? How did you prove to her that you were the type of person who deserves her affection? Well, we were hanging out a few more times. And I think she saw that I had like calmed down. And then we went out dancing. And uh, we made out on the dance floor. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And then the rest is history. Union pool. And then my friend, I, my, <laughs> I have a, a friend, a musician named Laura Stevenson. And, and she heard that story. And she said, I think you're the only two people who have ever made out at union pool who spoke to each other, <laughs> let alone got Very married. True. Let alone. So yeah, we made out, just made out. And she claims I made the move, but I maintain that she made the move. But yeah, I just we came back and we did. hung out a few times. And I think, cause she's also on my show. Hallie's on my, she right. does all the music and on my show. And she was on your show before you guys started dating. Yeah, for years, for years. She's so fucking cool. She's the coolest, right? You guys are both cool and magical people. She's the coolest. She's like, like everyone who knows her says like. She looks like the coolest she's person She's the coolest person ever. anyone knows. She's yeah. a professional aerialist. She's in a punk rock band, That's two amazing. punk rock bands. and That's like, so fucking yeah. It's all right. Um, well, thank you so much for talking. You have a show coming up. I, yeah. yeah I'm off, or on off Broadway. Broadway. Yeah. Oh, it's off Broadway? Off Broadway, yeah. Career and suicide. Career suicide. Yeah. Tell us about, what is that about? It's mostly, it's like, yeah, just from the title, I bet. It's, <laughs> Chris uh, on a cliff in Jersey. <laughs> that's one of the stories in it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's just a, a lot about the mental health stuff. And I think um, I've become known for talking about that stuff. And I think it's just my effort to kind of go in as deep as I can and put it all on the table. And maybe I, like, I've, I've always kind of, I think I've known as like a depression guy and that's okay. I'd also like to maybe move on. So th I think this is mm. me. Like, Cause taking, that's not all of who you no, are. You're so much more. No. This is like your Jerry Seinfeld. I'm telling you for the last time. Well, <laughs> yes, this is this is me attaining Sein, Seinfeld comparison. You're just, yeah. you, you know, you have, to, you have to think higher of yourself. I think you're there. Yeah, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe. But yeah, it's it's just me going all in on that. And and my goal is to try to like make a show that's the funniest thing I've ever done that happens to be about a lot of stuff that people don't generally love talking about. I was going to ask, and, is it a comedy? I'm yeah, assuming it yeah. is. Yeah, I've actually worked harder on the jokes in it than I've ever worked on any material before. Because oh, in my head, I'm like, if I can just make it really fucking funny, undeniable then people have to see it on the merits of that. Yeah. And then even if there's somebody who's like, I think medications are bullshit or you shouldn't be talking about depression. It's keep that behind closed doors. Like if it's a really fucking funny show, you can't deny that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the power of humor is. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think a joking and to me laughing at a joke that's about something really dark is the best feeling in the world. It feels like so healing and I don't know. It's like the happy, my happiest moments are when I'm laughing at something uncomfortable or really dark. Yeah. I've only been able to move on from shit when I can laugh about it for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. Does it, and does like depression affect your relationship with your wife ever? Yeah. It really, Cause does she have any sort of mental issues? She does not. Okay. And I will say too, one of the, it's, it's been a thing with me when I've dated people where it is a pain in the ass and a hard thing to figure out. And, um, you know, sometimes people take it personally if I've had like, cause I have these breakdowns sometimes, sometimes they'll take it personally or feel like it's about them. And, or sometimes they'll get very irritated and feel like it's being done on purpose. Mm. And one of the things that was so amazing about dating my wife was that, you know, for me, it's always been a scary thing when I date someone, cause there's going to come a moment of truth where I have one of these fucking attacks in front of them and I'm going to have to see how they react. And, and I've often felt weak or felt judged. Um, and with my wife, it just happened right in front of her. And then she was like, all right, cool. What do you want to have for dinner? You know, like, it was just yeah. like, I know that's a thing about you and now I've seen it and let's move on. And I've never felt more loved. 
That's beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> That's perfect. That's exactly what we wanted to get across. There What's you go. your Twitter handle? <laughs> At Chris Gethard, which is unfortunately spelled like get hard. I never realized that until I was looking I, at YouTube clips of you and yeah. I was like, it is spelled like I never, oh, I never, never thought, thought that because well, I respect go. you too much as an artist. Well, anybody who sees me before they hear my name <laughs> respects me and it doesn't click. And then every, <laughs> well, I think of Mike to... D from Jersey when I think of like oh. Chris Gethard. No, he had Not. my back. He helped me fight the bullies who were like that. He's oh part of the crew. Where can we get tickets to see your show? Careersuicideshow.com. And if you, when is this coming out? Can I do it? A couple it... weeks. Yeah, it, there's going to if you if you just follow me on Twitter, there's always going to be promo codes to get money off. Like if you're coming to one of the first nine shows and you put get 10, you get 10 bucks off. So, yeah, cool. careersuicideshow.com. And, and uh, I hope people come out and like it. Well, we'll definitely awesome. come and see it. It sounds awesome. great. Yeah. yeah, that would be I'm rad. Excited. Thank you so much for Please, coming. Thanks for having me. I, I feel it, it, you you asked me so long ago. I'm glad it finally happened because I, I dig the show. Yeah. I go on you. binges. I go on binges where I'll go like, well, I won't to listen be a... for a while and then I'll listen for it to like six in a row. <laughs> Historically, that seems that about right it's for you. We, we come in doses, oh. in big doses, which is great. Uh, yeah, it is. I will. I'll also say to you, I think you guys will enjoy this. In, in some of the stretches where I'm starting to feel fucked up again is I tend to find myself listening to this podcast mm. a lot more. Yeah, I find awesome. it to be a very grounding thing in a weird way. In a weird way. That's crazy. Why? Because you're like, oh, at least I'm not, oh, I'm not that fucked up. Well, Jesus Christ, I'm I re- fine. I remember once being in a really bad fucking place and listening to the what one- What moment made you feel normal? No, I remember listening to that one with the guy who had threesomes- and it which was, one the guy who was kind of in my opinion if he listens back to it i'm sorry sir the guy who was like yeah me and my girlfriend are both here and we're totally into threesomes and she was kind of like you're totally into threesomes i think it had that vibe was it arshawn and emily yes oh i remember listening to that one and being yeah. like this is so fucking yeah. fascinating like they're the way they're speaking about it are, yeah is to, a little imbalanced and he's not hearing that and you can hear him not hearing it and this is amazing and i'm in a much better mood now i remember that one specifically yes. worked worked so well for me That's oh and great. then the one uh, now i'm just fanboying out Feel and i'm enjoying it out. so keep going but I, I i loved the one where i think i think Karen, it was you of like it was the guy who you kind of vaguely worked with in the industry and you picked each I other up at some industry event. A casting guy. Oh, that was Matt. Yeah. And like you were at some party together and yeah. it was just like, go time. I remember hearing that one. And I was like, rad, that's rad. Someone recently wrote us uh, and, and he was like, I'm an older black man. And I think that I was at that bar when really? you were there. Oh, yeah. I think you, I saw you go into the bathroom. And I had a photo from that night and I sent him the photo <laughs> back and I go, was this us? <laughs> This what is what we were wearing. He didn't reply. I was so mad. Aww. I wish he was in the background. Sir, if you're, yes. Oh my God, that would be great. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, we're visibly drunk. I mean, we almost knocked down the whole bathroom like stalls that night. <laughs> that was such an amazing But you know, episode. we're still friends. But I've always been a, a big fan. I think historically I've always been known for like trying to be as honest as possible. And I've yeah. built my whole career on oversharing. And I feel like I, I, def- <laughs> well, I, I definitely feel like when I listened to your guys' podcast, I was like, oh. I am certainly, there's no way I'm the one setting the bar on oversharing anymore at all. It's weird because when I talk, I don't feel like I am oversharing. I feel like I'm just in my living room on my couch talking. Even though there's obviously a big mic in my face, I don't. And then sometimes I'll listen back. I'm like, I said that. Well, I know for a fact I've said things where when I listen to this, I'm going to be like, why the fuck did I say that? (laughs) Get caught in the moment. You just, but but that's the beautiful thing about it is like, this is who I am. So I never regret it because- 
the one thing I would never want to do is like make somebody upset by what I said. So I try to be conscious of not hurting someone's feelings. But like, other than that, like I just fucking, I can't believe how honest I've been on this thing to be, to it's be real. The best. <laughs> it's I crazy. Enjoy it. And it's there. It's like a comforting warm blanket that's there when I need it. I oh, love it so much. So cool. You know, we're going to have to go back at you and get some quotes for some future projects. Whenever I'm feeling fucked up, I'm like, oh, let me listen to <laughs> oh, this, yes. these stories of drunken sexual mayhem. <laughs> Feel less alone. That's good. They oh, got that to turn to. Boy, me. well, thank you so much, Chris. Jeez, thank you. Thank you. This has been Guys We Fucked, the anti slut chiming podcast. We'll talk to you next Friday. They met on the ocean in a crystal box. When he saw her smile, he knew he was lost. They had time on their hands, so they fell in love. With the sea all around and the sky above. But the time came along when she had to move on With a smile and a wave, the girl was gone He stood there helpless and looking on And wished she'd had a chance to say These are the days to remember These are the days of no regret And if a lifetime should come between us Then promise me You won't forget They met around the world from Paris to Rome For the few short days they call it home Under the moon she sang him a song But the very next day she was gone, gone, gone Often they stood with pain in their hearts Looking out to see a thousand miles apart Clinging to the notion of the power of love These are the 